Hey kids, this is me, your dude, Ice Girl Robots, and we're back with another super exciting, super fun episode of World Famous. This time out, we're going to do a top five list. I know it's been a while since we've done one of those. We're going to talk about this. going to talk about that. It's going to be great, but until that greatness starts, Grandmaster Grandpa, kick that Okay,ICロボット,Let's-Get-This-Party,Started-Light,Let's-Get-This-Party,Started-Quickly. This is World's Famous with IC Robot. Hey, this is me, your dude, Dicey Robots, and I, uh, I'm a little bit tired right now. It finally jumped off last night. I don't know if I would go as far as to say that it jumped off. Maybe, maybe it kind of, like, uh, bounced forward a little bit. Some of the, a few of the clones that are outside, around the outside fence, around the studio fence, a few of them tried to get over, over the top, fortunately. Fortunately, Ed was here, and he was on the uh, closed-circuit uh, monitor duty, and he alerted everybody. I uh, only woke up a little bit afterwards, they they told me, but him and Derek, our guy Derek from This Week in Japanese League Baseball, they were able to fin the clones off using a water hose. They, they hit a few of them, they fell down, and when they landed on the ground, they popped. I don't... I don't think that these clones are as durable as Pooptronics would have hoped, or maybe they are. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the idea was when they when they started making these clones. But these guys are they're fairly fragile. They took a hit from the hose, they fell to the ground, and when they hit the ground, they burst. They burst, and they left a green goo all around, which is which is very disturbing to me. I don't know what this goo is. I don't know what it's going to do to the to the dirt out there. I went out. And looked. I went out and looked at the at what was there, and it's it's like a green goo on the ground. It looks a little bit like like a reflective in the like a uh, like gasoline. You know how how that sort of looks when it's on the ground. It looks a little bit like that, and I I'm afraid to touch it. Honestly, I know that we've touched it a little bit before when Ensign Melissa burst. This also got me thinking that Ensign Melissa, when she did that interview on the behind the bit with Ed. That wasn't Ensign Melissa. That was a clone of her. That is so, that is so weird. I, I don't know what to make of any of this, but we're, we're prepping for further attacks. We have our sonic weapons at the ready. We have additional water hoses just in case, but as of right now, the clones are, they're just kind of walking around. It's all, it's all very weird to see yourself, like 10 copies of yourself, 15 copies of Gino Vega. There's like five engineer nerds out there. It's all very weird, but uh, let's let's move forward. I'm going to open up a figure. I've had this figure for a while. I want to check it out, and finally, I will get the chance. Open the world of advanced Dungeons and Dragons action figures. And now we are going to look at a Dungeons and Dragons figure by NECA. Should be a good time, alright? I was over at the Target the other day. This is the Target on Santa Rosa Avenue, not the Target in Cottingtown. We went there after a trip to the dig. We hit the dig, then we rolled right over there. They're very close together. And I went in with the intention of buying nothing. That's what I told myself. Look, you're just going to go and you're going to look. You're going to look around. You're going to see what there is. Maybe take a picture or two or whatever. But you are not going to buy anything. But guess what? 
I bought something. First, I went through the normal action figures, and there was no new uh, Motus, and there was no, like, G.I. Joes or whatever that I really wanted. And then we went over to the collector corner. That's the area over by the vinyl records where they have, like, NECAs and Migos and things like that. Recently, I've gotten into NECA pretty hard. I've bought, like, three or four of them so far, and... To me, they're a little pricey. They're like 32 35 bucks, but the quality is very high, and I think that you for sure get what you pay for. I've also started to... I've been keeping track of, like, upcoming NECA releases, and there was one in particular that I wanted very badly. This is the Dungeons & Dragons Strongheart the Paladin. Strongheart was one of my favorite figures from the old-school LJN Dungeons & Dragons line. Your guy is a paladin... Lawful, uh, lawful good warrior, cool guy, very much on the up and up as paladins are. He was, he was like my favorite, him and the War Duke. I would say him and the War Duke are like the Luke invader of the set. The good guy paladin, the evil, uh, knight. And they, they recently came out with Strongheart on NECA. Let's, uh, let's take a little bit of a break here and we're gonna find out what we can about this guy Strongheart. Strongheart was a good paladin in Dungeons Dragons best known as an enemy and former friend of the evil Warduke. He first appeared as an action figure in the line of Advanced Dungeons Dragons posable player characters and later in the game supplements quest for the Heartstone and the Shady Dragon Inn. He wields a two magic sword called Pearlblade. Our dude has a plus two sword named, uh, whatever it was, Pearlblade? I forget. I... I was listening, but I was also, like, looking at this figure. It's really great. It has a gatefold box. It opens up this way so you can look inside, and you can see him. And, man, he is a beautiful reinterpretation of the original Strongheart figure. Just absolutely gorgeous. Let's, uh, let's pull him out. I've had this for, like, a week now, and I've been dying to open it up, but I wanted to wait so that I could share it with you guys. He is just absolutely absolutely marvelous in here tons of accessories he has a hammer he has six different hands he has a shield let's see what it's going to take to get him out of here what do we want do we want the vidal sassoon scissors i think that i think that we do let's see one this is going to be rough guys and i apologize but we're gonna try to get through this as best we can so don't don't crash your car we're gonna be doing some snips and these are uh they're fighting back, dudes. They're fighting back against me. I wonder I wonder if we should just kind of go ahead and pull them out. Let's, um, we're just going to go for it. Come on out, strong heart. This isn't working at all. I apologize. I apologize. Um, man, he has a lot of bands. They're around his head, his arms, around his legs. Let's try to get the leg. Oh, I dropped his hands. They're held in like a tray. This is a disaster. All right, here he is. I got, I got him out. I dropped, I dropped the hands all over the floor. What you don't know is I paused. I paused and I came back, which I hardly ever do. But this dude was fighting me so hard, I could not get him out. These little bands around his legs were, they were so tight. But the fight, the fight was worth it, by golly. It was, um... It was really great. This is an outstanding figure. He is a, he's your prototypical paladin. He's wearing uh, plate mail armor. He has a helmet with a visor. It has wings on the side, a plume on the top. The helmet opens 
and closes. It's really great. The detail on his armor is fantastic. He has a blue cloth cape. It is a, it's very cool. It would be neat if they had some wire in there. Well, it looks like, it does look like it holds a shape to some small degree. I wouldn't say that it's wired or anything, but I folded it in a couple different directions and it does hold the shape better than just like your typical typical cloth. He comes with a hammer, like a battle hammer that he could smash guys with. He has a sword and he has a dagger. And then he also comes with a shield. The shield is uh, triangular in shape. Very, very cool. I think that we're going to have to, if we want to give him his weapons, we're going to have to switch out his hands. Let's, uh, let's see if how easy that is. Oh, that came right out. So we're going to put this one in here and then I'll take the sword. That's nice. Fits very well. He has kind of a long sword. The blade, the blade is a little bit thinner. It's not like a broad sword. I don't have like, I don't have an expertise in medieval weapons like some of you guys seem to have. I don't. I just know a little bit from d and I think that you would call this a long sword. It's not like a two-handed sword, like a broad sword, or maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. This is Pearl Blade, which we learned earlier. The shield is very cool. It'll fit. It is, uh, goes right through here. I think you have to take the hand off and maybe attach the hand to the shield and then put it back on together. That would be, well, I kind of went on there easily enough over his fist so i got his shield got his sword looks pretty good let's check out this um this hammer the hammer has like a wooden handle it looks like and then some kind of gold metallic head pretty dope dude you could like smash a guy's skull in with that let's uh let's take a look at the packaging here and see if they're there are any clues we can get about him strong heart is a fearless seeker of justice. Risking his life to ensure that good triumphs over evil, he is thoughtful, kind, and seldom rash, yet never hesitant to punish those who spit in the face of law and order. I don't know about that, but uh, there's also a new character I haven't seen before. Zarak, Zarek, an evil half-orc assassin. This guy is gruesome. He has two daggers. Let's see what uh, comes with Strongheart. Sword and sheath dagger. Hammer, shield, articulated visor, cloth, cape, and interchangeable hands. He does, in fact, have all those things. Let's see how well his sword goes into the scabbard here. Let's uh, put that in there. Very, very cool. Goes in easy enough. And then, oh, the little smaller one on the side of the bigger one for the dagger. Let's put that in there. Very, very cool. And then I'm assuming this goes... No, maybe this is where the hammer goes possibly let's see if there's any clues that we can get that goes okay that goes on this side so this there's like a small strap on the side looks like the scabbard goes into the strap very very cool this is a beautiful figure man honestly these NECAs are just so delightful and I'm glad that I was able to get this one when I saw him become available on the online, I thought, oh man, if I ever see that one in person, I'm going to buy it. And guess what? When I saw it in person, I bought it. I bought it like a sap as soon as I got it, man. Very, very cool. He's just so neat. I remember playing with him and Warduke back in my yard when I lived over uh, Windsor Court here in Santa Rosa. I remember playing with these out in the dirt and someday 
I didn't think I would ever have like a super deluxe, super cool version. So big, big shout out to NECA. I can't shout him out high enough. This is very, very good stuff. Him and the War Duke, man, they're going to be reliving some of my old battles pretty soon here in the office on the Earth base. This is neat how his head opens it. Oh, very, very cool. Let's, uh, up next at the movie. We're going to talk about the latest Sofia Coppola joint, a movie known as Priscilla. <laughs> In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Hi. What's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? Of course. Who doesn't? Are you going to be here or not? Priscilla, directed by Sofia Coppola. Playing at Summerfield Cinema. I went to see Priscilla over at Summerfield Cinema on a Friday. This was the Friday before my birthday, so this is my birthday movie. The birthday movie is always, it's important to me. I like to have a good one, and Priscilla is definitely a good one. Priscilla is the story of Priscilla Presley, the the underage bride of Elvis Presley. It's a very, very interesting, very creepy story. It was directed by Sofia Coppola who you might know from Lost in Translation, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. You might know her from uh, Marie Antoinette. You might know her from being Francis Ford Coppola's daughter and being in the Godfather trilogy. She is a dynamite director, one of my favorites. When she comes out with something, I am like for sure going to be their opening weekend to check it out. And this one was no different than the others. Let's, uh, let's take a look over at the tomatoes to get a little bit of, um, a little bit of a description. When teenage Priscilla Below meets Elvis Presley at a party, the man who is already a meteoric rock and roll superstar becomes somewhat entirely unexpected in private moments. A thrilling crush, an ally in loneliness, a vulnerable best friend. Through Priscilla's eyes, Sofia Coppola tells the unseen side of the great American myth of Elvis and Priscilla. This was, this was a, a little eye-opening for me, I have to say. I was fully aware that Elvis met Priscilla when she was very young. I consider myself to be not necessarily like an Elvis scholar, but there was a period that I was greatly interested in Elvis, and I read quite a few books. I've been to Graceland. I definitely dig the dude and dig his music. But when you when you see this all acted out, when you see a fully grown man Elvis courting a 14-year-old girl, it's very, very disturbing. It's not uh it's not something that made me feel good in any way. And I I don't know. I think that this is a good movie that's going to help people kind of reevaluate Elvis and where he belongs historically. Last year, was it last year, year before last, we had the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie, which is really grandiose, over the top, showed Elvis in as good a light as you could ever portray him. In this one, he is played by, what is the gentleman's name from, uh, from Euphoria? He was played by Jacob Alordi, who is, he's the guy who is Sidney Sweeney's boyfriend on Euphoria. And he did a very, very good job as Elvis. He kind of, he kind of portrays him as like distant and kind of, kind of blank almost. He's almost like a blank person. This guy, Jacob Alordi, he's tall, he's handsome, but he has the vibes of a serial killer. He's very, very creepy. He would be like the perfect Patrick Bateman in a remake of the American Psycho movies. And he did a very, very good job of Elvis in here. I, I liked how, I liked how even though he was married to Priscilla 
And even though they were together, he was still very distant. He was still very blank. I know I said blank, but that is that is definitely the word that I think fulfills the character. All you see him doing is like being off in the distance, taking drugs, hanging with the Memphis Mafia and all that all that stuff while Priscilla is off off on her own doing whatever. Priscilla was played by Kaylee Spaney, who I've never seen in anything, but I thought that she was I thought she was very excellent in this movie. I think that I read somewhere that she's 25 years old, but she looks very young. And when she's playing the 14-year-old Priscilla, you really get the idea of what it would look like to have a fully grown man, a fully grown superstar rock star talking to a 14-year-old girl. And it's very, very unsettling, I would have to say. I didn't uh, didn't leave this one feeling good. You leave it kind of get with the, with the heebie-jeebies. It's amazing the things that these superstars get away with. I... I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have Elvis calling on the phone trying to court your underage daughter. You see it in the movie. Elvis meets her on an army base in Germany. This is when he was in 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 the service. First he has like his people call her father and they ask if she can go to a party with Elvis. And I myself, I'm a father. I'm a father of a girl. And if Elvis Presley called up and wanted to hang out with my 14-year-old daughter, I'm just hanging up the phone. Ka-click, ka-click. I'm not even entertaining that option. And aside from that, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell everybody what's going on because it's just, it's too gross. It's just too gross. But um, our guy, our guy came from a different time, this father. And while he doesn't like the idea, he's a little afraid of having Priscilla turn her back on him if he says no to Elvis. So he goes along with it. Next thing you know, Elvis is uh, sending... Next thing you know, Elvis is sending for her and moving her out to Graceland. It's all all very lurid, all very sordid. I I don't know. This one didn't leave me feeling very good. But I did think that it was a well-made, well-put-together movie. I think that the idea of this movie from Priscilla's perspective is very, very smart. It's very good to see. See the other side. See the people that were affected by Elvis. More than you see, like, Elvis doing blue suede shoes and all that stuff. The book that this is based on. I believe it's called Elvis and Me, and this is one that I have not read. I read a few Elvis histories, but I didn't read this one in particular, but now I do kind of want to. I did think this was a well-put-together movie. It runs for just under two hours. It's an hour and 53 on the tomatoes. It's um, 83 with the critics and 62 with the people. I feel like that is... That's somewhat accurate. It's kind of a dour movie. I think that it's a well-made movie, but it's a little dour, and I can't imagine people leaving going, I loved it. That was so great. They probably expected a little more a little more Baz Luhrmann, a little less Sofia Coppola. In its opening weekend, it made $5.3 million. It's an A24. As you guys know, I am a big fan of the A24 movies. So, with all that said, on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine, Mike Mead, with one being done and finding an all-time classic, I'm going to give Priscilla a very solid four mics. For mice. Why is it world famous if like literally less than like nobody has ever heard of it? Chaji. Is this like an attempt at irony or something? I don't get it. Chaji. This week in Japanese League Baseball. This is Derek for This Week in Japanese League Baseball. This week, the world of Japanese baseball was shaken to the bone with the announcement that number one Jay Goth slash J-pop star Black October has formally announced that she is in love with and dating number one Gaijin baseball star Steve Balboni Jr. 
A cross-cultural relationship of this sort is considered a bit taboo in the conservative culture of Japanese pop goth music, but Balboni is such a beloved superstar that most people don't have a problem with the two going on dates in public or anything. Where will this lead? It's hard to say, but right now it feels like love is in the air. This is Derek for This Week in Japanese League Baseball. That was This Week in Japanese League Baseball. This is the list of IC Robot's top five smells. Honestly, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know if this is a good idea either, but when you've been doing this for like nine years with like hundreds of episodes, when an idea comes to you, you gotta do it because who knows, man, they could dry up at any time, like a well in the desert. One day you could dip your bucket in there and that bucket could come up with nothing, nothing but sand. Smells, smells everywhere, smells. We live in a, we live in a world surrounded by smells. Everywhere you go, there is something floating into your nostrils. Everywhere you go, there are particles of this and particles of that floating into our nasal cavities. It's kind of gross, but it is what it is. When you think about anything like a bodily function of any sort, it's all, it's all gross. I gotta be honest, man. Tasting is gross. Smelling is gross. I guess hearing isn't that gross, but on some levels, dude, we're just like, we're just like big piles of grossness, but that's okay. Being gross is part of being what you are. Smelling things is part of what you are. I guess making smells is part of what you are. Today, we're going to take a look at five of my favorite smells. These are not what I think are the best smells of all the times in space, because then I would be talking about like, you know, a newborn baby's head or chocolate cookie coming right out of the oven. These are things that I smell in my day-to-day -day life that bring me happiness. These are the top five I see robot smells of all the times and all the space. I did have to put some work into this. I did have to put some thought into this because I myself, I'm not one of those dudes who loves smells. I don't know what it is. I think it's like because typically like very uh stuffed up, I get a lot of uh, seasonal allergies and I always feel like my my nose is full of whatever. And then on these weird occasions when it's like wide open and I can smell whatever's going on, smells sometimes overwhelm me. But these are all smells that I like. These are all smells that I enjoy. I got my new Derek. Interesting news, Derek, about uh, Black October and Steve Balboni Jr. I myself, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of uh, Black October's music. It's a bit too spooky for my taste. But I do think that she is uh, talented, and I, I see why people enjoy it. I do see a lot of uh, a lot of musical talent in there, and I'm, I I wish her and Bal Boney Jr. the best. But uh, let's uh, let's start in on this. Here is my number five smell. Number five. The Cinnabon downstairs in the mall. Oh my gosh, that's a good one. I always want one, but somehow resist. I know what you're talking about, bro. I always want one too, and I always manage to. Uh, I always manage to resist. Big shout out to Gene Takovic, manager of the Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska. Good guy, that guy. Good dude, Gene Takovic. But man, I was over at the mall the other day. the The wife was looking for something for her Halloween costume, and I was I was sitting outside the store. They have these um they have these massage chairs, and I was. I was sitting in one of those, getting like a quick five-minute uh, back rub, and it's right near the, right near the Cinnabon. And man, the smell of the Cinnabon in the corner of the mall is outrageous. It's over on the bottom floor near Macy's, and when you, when you're around there, dude, the smell is overwhelming. It is sweet. It is cinnamony. It is delicious. A Cinnabon 
is so delightfully good. They are so great, but they're also like 25,000 calories or something for one. And if you if you eat it, you can't eat for like the next five days straight. And I don't know if all the all the sugar and all the fat and all the lard is going to be enough to carry you through all that time. But man, it's uh, it's sometimes worth the indulgence. I think that maybe maybe like once a year I'll indulge in a Cinnabon. And when I do, it is dynamite, dude. It's like it's so dynamite. It's so gluttonous. There is no Cinnabon sitting area over there as far as I know. So you got to get it to go. And when I get one of these, I'll grab it. And then I go sit somewhere else in the mall and I eat it and I feel like such a disgusting beast. I'm right there in the mall eating like a week's worth of calories at one time. And then when I'm done, I run right to the gym and I hit the treadmill. But because I am so full of fat and I'm so full of lard and I'm so full of sugar and cream and carbs, I can't even, I can't even move. I can't even work. It's so weird. You would think that you would eat these high-calorie foods and then you would have, like, enough energy to, uh, go and run around, but you don't. It's actually quite the opposite, and you have zero energy to go do anything. But the smell, the smell is so delightful. Oh my gosh, it almost, it almost drives me to insanity. It's so good that when I walk by, I feel like, I feel like my head is twisting around in circles. I feel like my eyes are spinning in my head like a slot machine. They are so, so great. If you're... If you're not a uh, health-conscious individual, go and eat, uh, go eat a Cinnabon now. Go get one for me, take a big bite, sit in the mall, stuff the whole thing into your pie hole, and definitely, definitely enjoy it. But I myself, I'll just walk by. I'll just walk by and smell that delightful sniff. I'll get a big sniff of that smell, and it will, it will make me go through the day. I remember this one tale that I heard about the Ultimate Warrior, the wrestler of the Ultimate Warrior. He has a fantastic physique. Dude was jacked to the gills, and his diet was, at one time, so strict that he couldn't eat a cookie. But what he would do is he would take the cookie, break it up in his hands, and he would smell it. He would smell it, and for him, that had to be enough. It had to be enough to carry him through. So I, myself, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll be like the ultimate warrior of the Santa Rosa Plaza. I'll go down to the Cinnamon, squish it up in my hands, give it a big sniff. Derek, what's the number four smell? Number four. The buttered popcorn at Summerfield Cinema? Bro, the popcorn is so good there. I went through two large Taylor buckets when I saw Eras Tour last week. Bro, you are right. It's totally a five-mic movie. Yeah, Derek, I agree, man. That's a five-mic movie for heckin' sure. But bro, you went through two buckets? That is, that's insane, man. I was too busy dancing around and too busy having a good time, you know, shaking it off and stuff that I didn't even like. I didn't even touch the popcorn. I'm just kidding. I ate a lot of it. But this was, this was over at Reading Cinema, where I saw it. I didn't see it at my beloved Summerfield Cinema. I went to see it on the biggest screen in all of Sonoma County. But, uh... It's playing at Summerfield, and I, I I gotta admit, I saw it twice. I saw it, well, 1.5 times. We went to see something else, and then it was uh, partway through when we dipped in, and we watched half of it. And I saw half of it at Summerfield. I saw the entirety of it over at uh, Reading Cinema. But man, the popcorn at Summerfield Cinema is amazing. They use real butter, which is, which is like very hard to find in the theater world. I myself, when I was back in the day at UA6, we did not use real butter. We used butter flavoring, which they still use to this day at the United Artists and at the uh, local Takini theaters, except for Summerfield. Summerfield has like a higher standard than the other theaters in the area. They have real butter on the popcorn. They sell wine. They sell beer. They sell all kinds of fun snacks 
Then on top of that, they have they have like a seasoning bar, and it's not like a little dinky seasoning bar. It is like I think eight to ten different flavors that you can put on your popcorn. I prefer the cheesy jalapeno at the moment. I've been going wild on that cheesy jalapeno, but you still can't you can't go wrong with like some uh, nutritional yeast or some like garlic or whatever. But the popcorn smells so good. When I walk by the building, when I go over to Howarth Park to uh, feed the ducks or whatever, sometimes we walk by to see what's playing later and you can smell it outside. And I feel like, I feel like I'm being lifted up in the air. Like I'm being lifted in the air by the nostrils and like floated into the building. It is just, it is so good. It's the only movie theater around here that I will actually factually get a refill on the popcorn. I'll get one sometimes to go because it is so good. If you buy a large you get a refill, and sometimes, like, I can't help it, man. On the way out, I'll have to get another one, because it is so good. In general, in general, movie theater popcorn is only okay. It's fine. It's good. It is good. It's usually too salty. The butter's a little too greasy, but this natural butter, they, like, I don't know if they, like, take a stick and they melt it into the butter thing or what, but it is so good. It smells good. It's delightful. It makes the place like, it's my home away from home, bro. I'll be there like two times a week seeing a movie. I can't resist. I love it so much. Anyhow, Derek, thanks for that. I'm glad you saw Eras. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you thought it was great. And uh, let's move forward and find out what is the next smell on the list of fantabulous smells. Number three. The smell of rain. Yeah, it's really nice because the rain sort of signifies the end of the fire season. I get it. It feels and smells safe. Yeah, my man. Aside from the awesome actual smell of rain, there is this, like, sense of safety when the rain starts to come. Every year around October, November, things start to kind of dry up a little bit and the wind starts to hit. Sometimes you have these things called Diablo winds, which are, like, these really hot, really powerful winds. And when they come fire season starts and it's scary in 2017 massive fire 2018 massive fire and it's like massive fire after massive fire luckily your guys survived let me uh knock on some wood there but when the when the rain hits that's when you know it's all over that's when you can unpack your go bag that's when you can just like sleep at night during these during these like windy weeks these windy months i don't sleep very well i kind of sleep with like one eye open sometimes with like both eyes open which is which is very hard to do I have to tell you, somehow I manage, but it's still very, very hard. And when the rain hits the earth, you can finally go, ah, it's nice outside. Ah, it's muddy outside. It's just so great. The smell of rain is called Petri Chor. P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R. It's a word that was coined by Australian scientists in 1964 that describes that, like, earthy smell, that, like, dirt smell. What it actually is, check this out. The smell is derived from an oil exuded by certain plants during dry periods. This oil is absorbed by rocks and clay-based soils, and during the rain, this oil is released into the air along with a compound called geosim, which is metabolic byproduct of an antibacteria. What all this means is... It's a great smell. These oils go in there. These, like, natural plant oils go down into the rocks. They coat the rocks. And when the rain hits them, boom, they float off. They float into the air. They float into your nostrils. There is something just so amazing about the smell of the first rain of the year. There's just something about it. It hits the ground. And it's, like, it's just an amazing smell. Along with, like, the grass getting cut, it's just one of the most amazing natural smell 
in the universes. I love it. I love it so bad. It's just, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't even tell you. When it rained last week, we're starting to hit the rainy season. As I understand it around Santa Rosa, we're going to have a pretty heavy rain year. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't rain a drop. Sometimes it rains every day. I remember when we first moved to Illinois back in 1983, at one point it rained for like 25 days straight. I was like, oh, this is great. We left Oakland to come and live in a, a torrential downpour. It was raining hard for like weeks and weeks straight. But uh, it's all good, man. Sometimes it rains, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's drought, sometimes it's flood. That's the that's the way of life. Look at it like sometimes you got a drought, sometimes you got a flood. Sometimes there's nuts, sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts, mounds don't. Remember that. Almond Joy, nuts, mounds, no nuts. They're both good. They're both honestly really good. I do like... Uh, the one with the nuts more, but I gotta say, man, that dark chocolate and the coconut, very, very delightful. Like the smell of rain in the world. It's just like, I love, I love the rain. I love the rain even beyond the fire safety and all that. I love to go outside and take like rainy day walks. It's fun either to get your little umbrella and walk around outside or if it's just kind of like misty. It happens a lot where it's just kind of fogs coming through when there's mist and it's cold and it's just so nice to go out there in this misty, cold, rainy weather and walk. I love the rain. I love the rain. If I could move to somewhere that was rainier and still also live here at the same time, I would do that. As it is, I can't be in two places at once as much as I do try. Maybe that's the actual purpose of a clone. Maybe I should get one of these cloning machines and I can clone myself, live in Riverdale where it always seems rainy, and then also live here in Santa Rosa where I actually want to be. Anyhow, the best smell so far is rain. I love it. Love the smell of rain. We got a quick word from former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, and then we will be back with more Siggity Smells. I was having lunch with a little greaser, one of San Francisco's greatest, by the name of Icy Viper. And you're going to get it good, Peter Pan, because you don't play rock and roll music. And you never did. So you get ready, Jack. All right. We're going to be right back. He was out of line there. This, uh, this music is sorry. disgusting. I'm world heavyweight champion. We now return you to the list. Number two. The next best smell is the odor of the bread rolls over at the junior high school. Bro, I remember that. They smell so good. How do you even get to smell them? You aren't in junior high. No, I am in fact not in junior high, but I do live near the junior high and I do walk my dog by there every single day. And some days when I go by there, they're either delivering the rolls or they're baking the rolls and I can smell it in the air. And I'll gotta say, man, this brings back like a wave of nostalgia like nothing else, man. Back in the day at Rankin Valley Junior High, you get a break. You get a lunch, and then you get a shorter break in the afternoon. The morning break, though, the cafeteria is open, the snack bar is open, and what most of the cool kids bought were these bread rolls. They're called, I think, officially yeast rolls. I'd have to check with our guy Ferg, the baking expert, but I think that these are called yeast rolls. That's what I found when I went on the online and I kind of looked around a lot. You learn about, like, different kind of, like, cafeteria rolls, but they're... They're like flat on the bottom and they're kind of like domed on the top, like a, like a sugar loaf. If you have a mountaineer, you're called sugar loaf. That's what, that's what they're kind of like. And they're light and they're fluffy and they are amazing. This is what all the cool kids got. They costed at the time 
25 cents. And some dudes would get one, some dudes would get two, depending on how dipped your parents were. I usually got $1.50 per day for lunch. Lunch was a dollar. The cafeteria lunch was a dollar, and that would entitle you to like go through with your tray, and they would slop all the slop on it. Or you could get a sandwich. They had these sandwiches, like pepperoni sandwiches and stuff, or ham and cheese, I think was one. And in lieu of getting the full tray, you could choose the warm sandwich. But the 50 cents was always guaranteed for break. Generally, your guy, me, would get a roll, and I would get either an orange juice, which was also a quarter, or a chalky milk, which is also a quarter. And this was this was a delightful carb-heavy sugar heavy snack but man it was like it was so good these rolls are just they're just amazing i found a recipe on the online and i sent it to uh to the old wife my lady the love of my life and i'm hoping that i'm hoping that she can kind of try to replicate these at home ferg if you are listening right now and you have any tips in regards to like cafeteria style yeast rolls hit me up you can find me over on threads you know this, at Icy Robots. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Icy Robots. If you feel like you have some tips that can make these more cafeteria-like, I would love it. But dude, I gotta say, on the days when I'm walking by with the dog and I can smell the rolls, it's like, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing smell. I can't really describe it. You know, it's baked goods, it's yeast, it's like... It's awesome. There are times, there are times I'm out walking the dog. It's a little uh, rainy in the air and I get the combination rain with the rolls and man, just an absolute smell nirvana. So number two on the list, Rankin Valley Junior High Cafeteria Rolls. Up next is what I consider to be my favorite smell. The favorite smell of all the times in all the recent spaces. Let's go. Number one the final and best smell of all the times in space. The smell of paper inside tree horn books on 4th Street. That's a good one too. I was just over there the other day. I was looking for Super Fudge by Judy Bloom. They had it, but I got tales of a 4th grade nothing too. They are both great. I'm a huge Bloom head. Bro, I am a huge Bloom head too. Judy Bloom is the best. Shout out to Judy Bloom. The favorite smell of all the smells is the smell of paper, especially the smell of paper over at Treehorn Books. Treehorn Books is a used and antique bookstore on 4th Street here in Santa Rosa. It's been, I think it's been at that location for like 45 years. It's really like an amazing bookstore. It's totally awesome. And when you go inside of there, the, the smell of the paper is just completely overwhelming. It's just, it's such a nice smell. I, I looked into this a little bit. What you smell when you're smelling paper is a uh, an element called furfural, I believe is how it's pronounced. And it's a sweet almond-like fragrance that is released as the paper starts to decay. The, the paper that is made from cedar is the uh, one that emits the most furfural. So if you're, you're somewhere and you smell it, it's possible the paper was made from cedar. Now, this might not even be true. I'm not, I am not a giant paper expert. I'm not Michael Scott. I'm not any of those guys. But the, the name for the smell of paper is Biblio Smia. Biblio Smia? Biblio Smia. I've never, I've never said that out loud. I've only read it. So I apologize if that if that came out awkwardly, but man, I love that smell of paper. If I could get a cologne that made me smell like old paper, I would be so happy. Imagine that, like, as I age and I pass off the earth, that is what your guy Icy Robots will smell like. I smell like I've been, like I've been drawn. But there you have it, guys. 
that is my list. That is the list of all the great smells. But, you know, there's a lot of good smells on the planet. So don't think that these are the only ones that I enjoy. I enjoy tons of them. I love the smell of cookies. I love the smell of things baking. I like the smell of garlic cooking. I like the smell of the pizza place. When I was over at Casper's Hot Dogs in Berkeley... Love the smell of the hot dogs. I like the smell of onions. There's all kinds of smells that I like, dude. And smells don't even have to be good to be like a good smell. Like sometimes the smell of like rotting garbage is kind of good. I don't know if that's something that like you've ever experienced. You get like this sweet, sickly garbage smell and there's like something, there's just, there's something pleasant about it. It's, maybe it's just me. I know not. But there, there you have it, dude. There's a list of all the smells. I hope that you enjoyed that. Let's, uh... We're going to be back in a sec, but first we have this uh, public service announcement from Trash Busters. Hello, this is Derek for KRJF 92.3 FM. In the world of things that chap my hide, the thing that chaps it the hardest is litter. Look, we live in a really nice place. Sonoma County is great, very scenic. The thing is that it's very important to maintain the beauty of the outdoors. One way that you can do that is by picking up litter when you see it. Sure, it's gross to pick up trash, but you know what else is gross? Trash in our waterways. Do you want the otters to have to swim around with Poland Springs water bottles? Me neither, so do something about it. Don't litter, and if you see some on the ground, pick it up and put it where it belongs. This has been an announcement from the Santa Rosa Trash Busters Alliance. Pick up trash and be a trash buster today. I believe in you. You are listening to I See Robots Radio on 92.3 KRJF in Santa Rosa simulcasting on KUTF 88.1 FM in Bodega Bay. Hey, this is me, IC Robots, and we're back. Big shout out to Derek for being the true king of trash busters. Speaking of, speaking of busting trash, I was uh, walking the dog around the block the other day, and when I, when I headed around, when I headed over by the, the middle school, I started finding this, it was a long trail of Capri Suns, like empty Capri Sun packets, is that what we call them, packets? They're not... They're not bottles. They're not cups. I guess they're, you know, packets or pockets. But there was a long trail of these, like, leading all the way up into the school. The school, the school was out by then. So I kind of, I followed along the trail and I picked them up because we're going to have a rainstorm. Next week it's supposed to, it's supposed to rain quite a bit. And I knew that if these, these Capri Sun packets were left on the ground, they were going to wind up in, in the gutter, which leads like directly to the creek around the street. They have these little signs on all of the uh, gutter saying this leads to, leads to the waterway. Don't put your uh, motor oil down here or whatever. So I knew all these packets would wind up in there. So, you know, I'm picking them up and I'm picking them up and I'm picking them up. It's not, it's not a big deal by any means. I, I don't mind picking up litter. I do mind. I wish there was no litter, but I know that I know that we all got to do our parts to be trash busters. So I'm picking them up and I'm picking them up. And I, I finally, like, I have this big handful of them. And I go into the school and I throw them into a dumpster. And I wonder, should I write the school a brief email saying, hey, man, maybe during one of your morning announcements, you could say, please don't litter in the neighborhood. Please save your... Save your garbage till you get home. Maybe I'd like to let them know that uh, these Capri Suns they're passing out wind up getting tossed right in the street. I don't know. Should I? Should I do that? I could probably punch it out in like two or three minutes. So maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't like to bother people at work, but sometimes, sometimes like a small bother could lead to like a big change. Maybe the principal will announce over the morning announcements, don't litter, and maybe people will stop littering. Fat chance of that. But nevertheless, let's uh, let's move forward. This. This past week was my birthday, and for my birthday trip, we went to the Oakland Zoo, which I've never, not never been there before. I've been to the San Francisco Zoo 
like a million times, but I've never been to the Oakland Zoo, and it was, it was cool. We had a nice time. It was on the weekend. Usually when we go to the zoo, we choose to go during, during like a weekday, so there's not as many people there, but this was, this was a Saturday, and it was jam-packed, which gives like a totally, totally different vibe, because the place is full of kids, right? And you have to be respectful, because places like zoos are primarily for kids, so you can't like hog all the space in front of the exhibits. You gotta be a nice nice, polite, cool person, not getting in the way of everything, so it kind of, it did kind of change the whole trip, but the, the focus of what I want to talk about really quick is, while we were there, they have this thing, I think they call the Sky Tram, and what it is, is basically a, it's like a ski lift that takes you all the way up to a hill, turns around, and comes back, you go over a bunch of the, bunch of the exhibits, and I don't know, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this in my life, but I have this, like, I have this, like, super deep-seated fear of, uh, ski lifts. I've never been on one. I've never been skiing. I have no reason to ever, like, think that I would be, but, like, I would see these things, and I, I see videos of, like, families and kids, and I'm like, that's, like, terrifying. You're, like, a hundred feet up in the air with a little kid on a, basically, like, a swing. I'm like, not even anything I'd ever want to do, but the wife is like, Hey, why don't we go on the, uh, the sky thing? And I didn't really look at it. I, I saw that it was like a chairlift, but I'm like, oh, I don't think it'll go that high because where's it going to go? I didn't, I didn't put any thought about it. I was trying to be like a nice, positive, like forward thinking person. So I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. So we, we hopped on it. There was no line. We hopped right onto it, got right on it. And it starts going up and up and up and up, and oh my gosh, I was freaking out, man, I was freaking out, like, you're in this chair, this, like, rickety chair, and it was windy, and it's, it's swinging, now, I wouldn't say that I have a fear of heights, I am wary of heights, I don't want to do anything risky involving heights, but, like, I can climb ladders, I can go on the roof, and I can do all that kinds of stuff, I'm not, like, paranoid about it, I just, I prefer to be safe when it comes to heights, when it comes to heights, I want to make sure everything is safe. Like, if I'm going to go high up on a ladder, I want somebody to hold the ladder. I want to make sure that it's as safe as it can possibly be, because, you know, you hurt yourself, and it's no good, dude. It's no good at all. Better safe than sorry, but we're on this thing, and it's like, it's, it's like swaying side to side, because there's like wind, and I'm looking up, and there's like one cord holding this thing in place, and it's like, oh my gosh, dude. It was honestly like the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm not even kidding. And I know some of you guys out there have had traumatic experiences, and you've had things, and look, I survived a couple wildfires. I've had traumatic experiences, and this, I felt, was like way more, way more scary. When all the fires were going on, it was very scary. It was very traumatic, but at the same time, there weren't moments where I felt like my life was going to end. I felt like Maybe the house would burn down, maybe something like that would happen, but I never felt like I couldn't escape if anything happened, and when I was on this thing, all I could think was like, I am so high in the air, and if I fall, I will die, and I'm just like, I don't like to be in the position of like, I could die. I don't want to be in that I could die position. I did not like it. Do you guys go on ski lifts? I know we're getting into the winter. Do you go on these unprotected ski lifts? Scariest thing I've ever done in my life. It went so high. At one point, you're going high over, like, these snack bars, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. I had to, I'm not even kidding, I had to close my eyes. I couldn't look. I couldn't look. It was so scary. I will not kid you at all. I almost felt like I was gonna cry. Like, I could feel tears, like, welling up in my eyes. I'm just like, this is not, this is not cool, like, in any form at all. But overall, the zoo, pretty fun. 
had a good time. Then after that, we went to uh, Berkeley. Oakland and Berkeley are like practically connected. They share they share roads and stuff. So we, we went down to Telegraph. We went to Casper's and got some hot dogs. Casper's has some great hot dogs around the bay. You got Casper's and then you got Sack. There's like a Sack's in like Vallejo that has amazing wieners. But I, I gotta say, I really love the vibe of the Casper's on Telegraph Avenue. It's like, looks like... Looks like it hasn't been redecorated since the 70s, and I wouldn't be surprised if it hasn't, dude. It's just like an amazing place, amazing wieners. I got a Chicago dog, it had tomatoes, had the whole everything. It was so good. We sat at the counter, ate the wieners, and we went we went to Rasputin's Records, which is really great. Rasputin's has the best selection of used DVDs I've ever seen in my life. And while I'm working on that Plex server, there's nothing I need more than, like, low-cost DVDs. So I bought a bunch of stuff. Then we went over to the uh, Amoeba, the Amoeba down the street, and I bought three... About three Northern State CDs. Northern State's this uh, all-girl rap group from back in the day. And I think they're really good. One of my personal favorites. I had one of their CDs and I got the other ones as well. One of them I picked up was actually like a duplicate of something I had. But they were all only like $1.99. They were in the rap, the rap clearance. Which is where I find a lot of the things that I buy. The rap clearance over at Amoeba. I don't know, man. I don't like the most popular stuff, I guess. Except for like, except for Taylor Swift. But, uh, anywho. I think we're gonna get up out of here right about now. So... This is me, I See Robots, saying for everyone out there, everyone listening, if you don't like what's going on in the news, go out there, make some of Alright, um, man, bring an organ. And you know I got to have that. supported endeavor. If you like what we do here and you look forward to new programming, consider helping us to bring fun stuff every week by heading over to supportthereport.com and tossing a few pounds into the hat. It's important to support things that you enjoy. Thanks and have a great week. Supportthereport.com Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. I don't think so. Incredible This has been an IC Robots Radio production.